Just in case you haven't seen The Dark Knight Rises yet, the first few minutes of this podcast episode are spoiler-free. Just watching episode 32, The Dark Knight Rises. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and thank you for joining me for this episode where I share critical thinking for the entertained Christian. E. Franklin wasn't able to make it to this review for The Dark Knight Rises, but I have some cool things to share with you. The Dark Knight Rises is an a really cool movie. Now, I know it's one of those where some might think, oh, it's too violent. Now, what movie you watch is between you and God, really. Uh, There are some things we would say you definitely shouldn't be watching, but the truth is many Christians are watching these popular movies, but they're not thinking. That's where the problem really is, that we are not thinking about these things. We are not going to the scriptures, comparing these things to the scriptures, checking ourselves to see if we're letting Hollywood stuff influence us. So that's all what Are You Just Watching is about. Check out our website if you haven't already over at areyoujustwatching.com and also subscribe and rate us in iTunes and more over at areyoujustwatching.com. And show notes for this episode will be at areyoujustwatching.com slash 32. Now, just like I said, let me give you a spoiler-free review of Dark Knight Rises first. I think uh, it, it, this is the conclusion of the Dark Knight series that Christopher Nolan has been doing. And it's really high on the action and really thick with the tension. And obviously, there is no shortage of violence in this. It's it's a Batman movie, after all. And this is the new take on Batman. And Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, the first two movies in this trilogy, were both very dark and also very philosophical. I just recently rewatched the first two movies with some friends in preparation for going to see The Dark Knight Rises, and I was surprised how philosophical those first couple movies were. And in fact, if you didn't know, The Dark Knight was the first movie that Eve and I reviewed together for Are You Just Watching? You can go hear that two-part episode over at areyoujustwatching.com slash two and areyoujustwatching.com slash three. Our first two episodes there on a movie, and our first episode was when we talked about what is critical thinking. So check that out. And I'm even seeing uh, now rewatching the movies. I'm seeing more things that I wish we could have pulled out in that conversation. But go back and listen to that episodes two and three. But The Dark Knight Rises isn't quite as dark, but I would say it's almost uh, remorseful and even fatalistic to a point. But we do see that the Dark Knight Rises has some some interesting things in it that are really good for this critical thinking perspective for Christians. And there's even a hint of Messiah in this, and not just a hint, but actual imitations of a Messiah-like figure in The Dark Knight Rises. So this isn't a movie for kids at all, because I would say it's it's very violent. Get this idea out of people's minds that comic book movies mean it's for kids. No, 
they aren't. This, uh, where the Avengers movie and the other movies from Marvel tend to be a bit cleaner and a bit lighter on the violence, the Batman movies, the recent ones, do not pull any punches here. They are just outright violent, extremely violent. And Batman himself, though, still carries this thing of no guns, no killing, but that doesn't stop other people in the movie from these violent deaths and uh, interesting things. They stay away from the gore. I will say that this movie has more profanities than the prequels did. And sadly, there's even implied sex between the hero and a woman in this movie. And according to the Bible, that's fornication. So we don't endorse that. But The Dark Knight Rises definitely does spurn some great discussion that we can have when we look at this through the lens of a biblical worldview. So I, if you like the first two Batman movies, I think you'll like this one. There are some awesome things about it, highly entertaining from that perspective and really edge of your seat things. There are some twists and turns and surprises that you wouldn't expect and just some real cool things and a great ending to it and so much more that if you get a chance to see it, I would love to hear what you think. Please email feedback at areyoujustwatching.com or call 903-231-2221 or you could listen to this full podcast or just comment right now on the show notes over at areyoujustwatching.com slash 32. And just before I go into the spoilers section of our discussion, I want to share with you some of the great music that is composed by Hans Zimmer for this, who has really made this awesome feel of what the Dark Knight is now in musical form. Hans Zimmer did a great job with that soundtrack. I'll have a link to that if you'd like to purchase it through our affiliate link over at areyoujustwatching.com slash 32. Now, let's get on to this discussion that will contain spoilers. So be warned now, if you don't want to be spoiled, stop the recording, the podcast now, and come back and listen later. Or if you don't mind being spoiled, or if you've already seen the movie by now, then go ahead and keep listening. So the first thing that stood out to me, there are several themes about this, uh, scarcity versus abundance, trusting the world, fear of death, and also fatalism and being beyond saving, and then even this Messiah idea about Batman. So these these are the main themes that I got from Batman the Dark Knight. And uh, the the entire series of the Batman the Dark Knight, or the Dark Knight kind of take on Batman has always illustrated this massive difference between the rich people and the poor people. Now, that's what Bruce Wayne's parents tried to bridge that gap and help people that way. But they still emphasize the separation between the rich and the poor. And they it's almost like they push us to believe that that's why there's organized crime, because of the poverty. And even in Batman Begins, they, they communicated in some ways that some stealing is okay because you get to empathize with the other thieves who when you become one of them 
But there was a line in this from Selena Kyle, or that was the woman who was also basically the character of Catwoman, though she was never called Catwoman. She was called a cat burglar at one point. But she said this to Bruce Wayne during a dance scene. She said, you're going to wonder how you can live so large and leave so little for the rest of us. The Bible does tell us that we need to give to those in need, especially the widows and orphans. This is throughout the New Testament, and the responsibility really sits heavy on the church, but the church is made up of believers. So it's really on the local believers, the local body of believers, to support the widows and orphans, the poor, and to be generous with the resources that God has given us, even when it seems like we don't have anything to give. Like that widow who gave her little mite that she have, had, Jesus said that she gave so much more than everyone else because she gave out of her lack, whereas everyone else gives out of their abundance. But the one thing to be clear on is the Bible never condemns wealth, but it certainly does point out this thing of, uh, well, like first time it's the 610 says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And many times Jesus illustrated that riches are like a distraction or an extra burden to people that could distract them from the kingdom of God. Consider his conversation that he had with the rich young ruler. It's in Matthew 19 and Mark 10. And there the rich young ruler asked these questions and Jesus said, go sell everything you have and then give to the poor. Then you'll have treasures in heaven. No, no, he didn't say then you'll be saved. He just said, then you'll have treasures in heaven. But the young man left discouraged because he had so much. He was so rich. That's when Jesus said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And that was an illustration, not saying it's impossible. And Jesus was talking about, uh, there, there are a couple takes on this, either the eye of the needle, like a needle like we know today, or there was also this gate to Jerusalem that was called the eye of the needle, where a camel would have to have all of its baggage taken off in order to crawl through this small gate that was open. Basically, it was like the after hours gate that was open. And that's a good illustration of how rich people really have to let go of this baggage, this this, uh, bondage to their wealth in order to serve God. Now, that doesn't mean rich people can't serve God. Rich people can serve God just as well as poor people can. So, Scripture makes no distinguishment between that. It's just that it is so often the rich people who feel like they have everything they need or can buy anything they need. But the ideology presented in The Dark Knight Rises and even just the whole Dark Knight series of movies is this of scarcity. And that is, imagine it this way. There's a pie. And if I take six pieces of out of that pie, that only leaves a few pieces for you or a couple pieces for you. So the more pieces I take, the fewer pieces you get. That's the kind of thinking that really leads us to be scrooges with our resources to think, well, if, if I give, then that means I'm not going to have anything else where I need it here. Or the people who get more are essentially stealing from me because I'm not making as much as they are. They're making more. So they're basically stealing from me. But this isn't really the idea that's presented in the Bible. The Bible, uh, throughout the Bible, 
speaks a lot about God's abundance, like his great, just consider what it says about his grace, his mercy, and his riches. Like it says, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns and controls everything. The king's heart even is in the hands of the Lord, and the Lord can turn it whichever way he chooses. So, we need to get our minds out of this idea of scarcity, but instead realize it's an abundance. Now, that's not in just the financial aspect. We need to look at this in several aspects of our lives and realize that it's not a scarcity thing. If we serve God, that doesn't mean we're going to have less time for other things. In a sense, it does. But our desire changes as we grow closer to the Lord. It's just like when, if you uh, have gotten married, or if you've ever dated before, or if you're about to date, or if you're dating, you know that when you started getting interested in someone, that your first thought was, I'd really like to date this person, but if I do, I'm not going to have time for all of these other things I want to do. I just don't know how I'm going to fit in this relationship I really want to have because I've got all of these other things I want to do. Now, that sounds silly, doesn't it? I know some of us are probably guilty of that sometimes, and it's a lot easier to fall into that after marriage. But that's not the way we typically think. We think, wow, this relationship is incredible. I want to spend all my time here. And we, we set aside the other things because we have something more important we want to pursue. Because that's the thinking of abundance, that we just want to get as much as we can from this limitless grace, mercy, riches, relationship, all of this. So we as Christians give out of your abundance because you have, we have an abundance that God has been blessing us with and that we can bless others with that same abundance. The other thing that stood out to me is this odd thing that kind of surprised me when someone said it in here. Uh, It was one of the female characters. I can't remember which one it was, but uh, she said, if you want to save the world, you have to trust it. I think that was Selena's character. Trusting the world. Okay. Do you see the problem there? If you want to save the world, you have to trust it. You have to trust the world. This is a common theme actually in the Dark Knight series. Just think about the last movie, The Dark Knight when there was that boat scene where there was the boat of criminals and the boat of, quote, innocent people, and they were each given a detonator to blow up the other boat. If they didn't blow up the other boat, they were going to blow up uh, themselves. Uh, or the Joker would blow them up. So that's, uh, that was a big ex- experimentation or a discussion about the goodness or not of man. And I highly suggest you go back and listen to areyoujustwatching.com slash two and are you just watching.com slash three to hear our two part episode there where we talked about that. But the idea in Gotham in the Dark Knight series is that if people are just trusted and they're given a hero, those people will do the right thing. But keep in mind what scripture says about man. Just look at a couple passages in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 9 8 says, Their tongue is a deadly arrow, it speaks deceitfully with his mouth. Each speaks peace to his neighbor, but in his heart, he plans an ambush for him. And Jeremiah nineteen or Jeremiah seventeen nine says, "The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. 
who can understand it? See, we are sinful. We can't trust the world. In fact, so often in scripture, God says, don't be in the world or be in the world, but don't be of the world. Separate yourselves from the world. Renew your minds. Don't give in to the temptations and lusts of the flesh and of the world and all of that. The world cannot be trusted to do the right thing because the world has already rejected what the right thing is. And that's God's definition of right and wrong. If we leave ourselves to our own flesh, then we just rebel and seek our own selfish gain. Now, yes, people are capable of doing good things. We see that all over the world. We see bad people doing good things. Bad people, by that I mean unsaved people. Sinful people are capable of doing good things because Romans 2 says uh, that God has written his law on the hearts of men. And that's why many men are convicted of things. Uh, That's why they have a conscience is God's law is written on their hearts. So there is that basic understanding of right and wrong within us, but still so many rebel against that. And that's why we see so much crime around us. It's not because of poverty. It's because people reject that conscious, that conscience that God has given us. So don't trust the world. But then there's this issue of the fear of death and even the idea of fatalism. And I just talked about fatalism in my review of Brave. If you haven't heard that, go back to the audacity. No, go back to areyoujustwatching.com slash 31. And fatalism is this idea that our fate is going to happen no matter what. This thing is going to happen no matter what. There's nothing we can do, so we might as well not do anything. We'll just resolve to let it happen. That's basically what fatalism is. And Alfred, that's Bruce Wayne's butler, had said to Bruce Wayne or Batman, you don't fear death. You welcome it. And this could almost be understood from Bruce Wayne's perspective because this movie happens eight years after the last movie. Do you remember how the Dark Knight ended? It ended on a lie that they decided they would tell. They would deceive Gotham and let Gotham exalt Henry Dent as the hero. And then Batman would take the blame and would take the fall for what had happened. So they were living this lie, eight years of this. And with Bruce Wayne's dealing with his loss of Rachel and having to hide, because what we get from this is that Batman has been gone for eight years also, but he he hasn't really been needed because the city has rallied around after the death of Henry Dent and they've passed this new Dent law and it's done all of these great things for the city. And Bruce Wayne has just pretty much resolved that there's, when this terrible thing starts happening, he's pretty much resolved that there's nothing he can do. It just seems like he is welcoming death. And this reminds me of what death is for us Christians. And I don't think we should be, uh, how do I put this? In one sense, we should be welcoming death, but in another sense, we shouldn't. We should live our life to the fullest, to the glory of God. But look at what scripture says about death, because if we are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, we don't have to fear death because death is a separation, yes, from this life, but that means it's also a separation from our flesh, our spirit separated from our flesh. 
And then our spirit can be reunited with God to live with him forever. Just look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, and 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 58. Especially the 1 Corinthians passage, that's where it quotes back uh, from Psalms. And it says, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? That passage is being quoted and also pointing out that the sting of death is sin, but because we are in Christ Jesus, death is no longer a sting and a, a victory over us. Christ has victory over death. So that's why we don't have to be afraid of death. But in Bruce Wayne's case of being Batman, he he's just resolved. He's, he's fatalistic in this, that he has just decided this bad thing is happening. There's really nothing I can do. Might as well let it happen. Or then when he starts trying to fight against it, he almost has a death wish about him that he wants to defeat the evil, but he also just wants to end it all in a sense. And I'll come back to that with a major spoiler, (laughs) but you should know that by now that this is spoiler section. Then there is this other idea, which is really interesting and and I think deeply philosophical of can someone or a group of people be beyond saving the major villain of the dark knight rises was this character called bane which huh his name bane b a n e and just look it up on dictionary.com it says a person or thing that ruins or spoilers a deadly poison death destruction ruin, or an obsolete definition is that which causes death or destroys life. Totally fitting name for this character. But this character of Bane comes and he calls himself Gotham's Reckoning. He even says a necessary evil. He recognizes he's evil, but he believes he is the reckoning for Gotham. And his reason for that is that he says, Gotham is beyond saving and must be allowed to die. But Bane's perspective of judgment on a Gotham that is beyond saving is a purging, not justice. He wants to purge Gotham, to completely destroy it, not just bring it down or judge the people. And this might seem very familiar to you from the first Batman movie, the, the Batman Begins movie with the League of Shadows in there, they make a reappearance here. And that same idea that Gotham must die. But really, look at Gotham and its problems. And is it really that different from any other city? Gotham is just another city full of sinful people doing sinful things. Where does that not happen? See, Christians and non-Christians can so often get tied up in this thinking of why did God let this bad thing happen to these people or was it a judgment or what of all of this and why hasn't he judged other people and all of this? Just don't worry. Our judgment's coming. And we all deserve judgment. In fact, remember one time in the past, God did judged the entire world and chose to save Noah and those who are with him on the ark and gave the opportunity for others to join him. God purged the world of the sinful people, but sin still reigned and sin came back and people 
people still do sinful things. But also look at cities in the Bible that have rebelled against God that he did wipe out. He purged them completely. Like Babel, well, it wasn't wiped out, but it was dispersed completely by the introduction of languages. That's in Genesis 11. Or look at Sodom and Gomorrah, completely purged. And several other pagan cities that were inhabiting Israel, which was a rebellion against God and a disobedience of what God had commanded. And they'd basically stolen the land from God, that that land that God had set aside for his people. And as a judgment for these pagan nations worshiping false gods, God sent uh, Israel to destroy many of these uh, nations and cities that were inhabiting his land that was for his people. And then also consider the purging that is yet to come, that will be the final judgment of all people, the last judgment. And that's what Revelation is all about, the last book of the Bible. But look at this, even just on a personal level, not on a citywide level, but on a single person level. Look at Romans 1, and it talks about being beyond a point of saving, despite many opportunities to repent. Like Romans 1, starting in verse 12 through 29, speaks of God's wrath, speaks of what the people have turned themselves into and the sins they've gone after. And it uses this phrase several times. It says that God gave them over to, and he gave them over to, and he gave them over to, basically meaning he allowed them to go into where they were going. And it says the lusts of their hearts to degrading passions and a depraved mind. All of these things, because they pursued sin relentlessly, and it did seem like they came to that point that they are beyond saving. And even look at uh, back at the Old Testament again, Sodom and Gomorrah, when when Abraham had negotiated with the captain of the Lord's host, basically Jesus in a pre-incarnate form, he said, what if there are just 10 righteous in the city? Will you spare the city? And God said, yes, if there are 10 righteous, I will spare the city. But there weren't even 10 righteous in the city. So, the righteous weren't purged with the city. The righteous were given the opportunity to escape, told to escape, and did escape that judgment, all except Lot's wife, because she turned back and she didn't believe, she didn't obey. And then this final point that stood out to me in The Dark Knight Rises is this idea of the Messiah uh, appearing in the form when that, that makes it a little bit more spiritual than it is, a, mess, a messianic style of Batman. Realize that Batman was first uh, vigilante and then he's now like this messiah. He's always been like the hero of Gotham and this police officer in here, John Blake, said near the beginning of the movie, I'm still a believer in the Batman. Which is really ironic for him to say that because in the last movie, the line was brought out. It was Bruce Wayne had talked about this at a party for Harvey Dent. He said, uh, I believe in Harvey Dent. I thought it was ironic then that now it's, I'm still a believer in the Batman. But there are a lot more interesting parallels 
beyond just that believing in the Batman. Consider that Batman was gone completely for eight years. No one had heard from him, seen him, anything. No one knew where he was. And he left Gotham in the hands of the people and good people who were placed in leadership. But many people were asking questions like, does he still exist? Is he watching us? Is he coming back? Questions that we often feel like asking about God. Is God coming back? Is Jesus coming back? Is he watching us? Will he return? But when Batman does return from his hiding, he's quickly defeated and sent to this pit uh, that's in the middle of a desert somewhere, a prison pit. And the pit has been referred to many times as hell. And really interestingly, Batman stays in this pit as a prisoner for three months. Sound familiar? Jesus Christ was in the pit of hell for three days. And when, when uh, Batman or Bruce Wayne finally gets out of this pit, and he tried several times, the, the people start, and this is a common thing that you've seen in the trailers probably, and throughout the movie this is used, that the people start chanting this thing. And uh, it sounds like, awesome, awesome, this is awesome. <laughs> That's not actually what they're saying. It's something else, but it means rise. And so they're chanting, rise, rise, rise. Really interesting that then he rises out of the pit, considered hell. He leaves something behind so that the other people can also rise from it. Interesting correlations then with Jesus Christ rising from the dead and also that it says that he will take the dead in Christ. He will, they will be raptured. And that's in uh, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 4. It has that passage in there. But then when Batman comes back to Gotham, he's even seen as the salvation of the city. And that he is going to uh, take out all of the evil because evil has been rampant in the city. Well, Very similar to what people wanted Jesus Christ to do when he came to earth. They wanted him to just banish the evil, banish the rulers of the day, the Romans. They'd misunderstood what the Messiah would really do. But ultimately, and again, I warned you about spoilers, Batman ends up sacrificing himself by taking the judgment that was for the city which is a nuclear bomb, he takes that judgment onto himself and takes it out to sea and it detonates out in sea. And he's giving his life for the city. He takes what was meant for them as judgment on himself. So the, and this was what Bane intended for Gotham, uh, not for Batman. So all of these uh, really interesting correlations, but Something to keep in mind is our true Messiah lived a sinless life to become the spotless Lamb of God who took on the punishment for our sin. And he is not still dead, but he's alive with God, ruling with him forever. And someday he will return. And it's not going to be a nuclear bomb or a high-tech battle for a Gotham City, but it will be a spiritual battle. And Jesus Christ will win. And like the Bible says, 
at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Well, that's my review of Batman the Dark Knight. I would love to hear what you think. Again, comment on the show notes, please. Comment there because it keeps it right within the stream and conversation of this topic. So go to the show notes over at areyoujustwatching.com slash 32. And if you want to email us directly and maybe suggest a movie for the future or send us feedback for our upcoming episodes, we're going to review a couple movies this year, very appropriate for this year being 2012. We're going to review the movie 2012 and also review the movie Knowing, two very end-of-the-world kind of movies. This will be great for reviewing this year, and they've been on DVDs, so hopefully you've had a chance to see them. If you haven't, get the DVDs, watch them, send us your feedback. Email that to feedback at areyoujustwatching.com or call 903-231-2221. Or you can also go to areyoujustwatching.com and click on the send a voice message tab and record a message right from your computer and send it to us. Just make sure you don't have much noise in the background and that sounds good when you send it. And then, like I said, check out the show notes over at areyoujustwatching.com slash 32 so you can get these scripture references that I mentioned and comment there on what you thought about this episode and what you thought about The Dark Knight Rises. We've got a lot more cool stuff planned, so check out the website over at areyoujustwatching.com. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and you can follow me on twitter.com slash Noodle, and you can follow Eve Franklin on twitter.com slash Franklin. Thank you for listening. And don't just watch. Are You Just Watching? is produced and sponsored by D. Joseph Design at djosephdesign.com. The opening vocal talent is thanks to Mariah. Our theme song is used courtesy of Answers in Genesis from their exciting Vacation Bible School curriculum, Operation Space, which you can find at AnswersVBS.com. Are You Just Watching is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our podcasts like this one, like How to Podcast, Clean Comedy, Christian Worldview, Once Upon a Time, and more over at noodle.mx. I'm Batman.